from Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. This is Reynosa, L.A. Police. Oh, hiya, Sergeant. Any luck? Nothing. This top old Lanely boy's been in jams before. He's a tough cookie, and we don't scare him a bit. What's his story? Says he was walking through the courtyard of the apartment house when you jumped him from the bushes. Oh. Claims he thought it was a stick-up and fired that shot at you in self-defense. What was he doing there in the first place? Calling on a girlfriend, only she'd given him the wrong address. Sure. Well, we can hold him overnight for carrying a concealed weapon, but that's about all, Johnny. He'll make bail in the morning. Well, fine. Let him. Things aren't adding up, and it's got him worried. He's afraid he's being double-crossed, and he's fighting mad about it. On the loose, maybe he'll be a help to us. How? Maybe he can find Eddie Kalin. What are you talking about? Eddie Kalin's downtown in the morgue on a marble slab. Sergeant, want to bet? From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Los Angeles, to the home office, Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Kalin matter. Expense account continued. I was following a hunch, one that had started when Sergeant Reynosa said the police found the door of the Kalin apartment locked on the night of Eddie's death, locked with a key. And now the hunch was stronger. The way Leanley had acted, Topo Leanley, the gambler from whom Eddie had won $60,000 that night. Things like Lila Kalin had said about her husband, they all added up. But it was still only a hunch, not proof. And proof I had to have. And at the moment, the only chance I could see of getting it was to backtrack on Eddie Kalin. His hangouts, his contacts, his missing friend Pete Steimer, his movements during the hours before his car was found blazing at the bottom of a canyon in Palos Verdes. In a way, what I had to do was bring him back to life. Expense account item six, $14.10. Transportation two and incidentals at a dim little hole-in-the-wall bar out on Santa Monica Boulevard called the Cafe Eloines. It was an out-of-the-way clip joint dedicated to the mood Caribbean, complete with palm fronds, drinks, and coconut shells, and a lovely little hostess with a beautifully developed and well-rounded Latin accent. You would like a nice table, amigo? Oh, this one's fine. But I would like a nice talk. Uh, sit down, honey. Let's get acquainted. Well, maybe for a few minutes. My name is Pepita. Of course. What else? I'm Johnny Dollar. <laughs> That's a funny name. Oh, I'm a funny guy. Will, uh, will you buy me a drink? Uh, is that the gimmick here? Gimmick? Oh, what do you order, a champagne cocktail? Let's see. For which I pay two bucks. It's made with ten cents worth of sort turn. You get a one dollar kickback. Isn't that the way it's played? Are you with the vice squad? No, forget it. Relax. Hey, look. I'll do better than buy you a drink. What are you doing after you're through here? No. No dates. When I quit work here, I go straight home, amigo. And I live with my mother. Oh, well, that's a very good arrangement. Cheaper that way for both of you. But here's ten bucks. What I want from you is some information. About a customer who comes in here a lot, or used to anyway. Eddie Kalin. You know him? You are not the police. Or you would not give me ten dollars just for talking. Sure, I know Eddie. What you want to know about him? When did you see him last? On Thursday. The day before he was killed. How did he act? What did he say? Anything out of the ordinary? He said he loved me madly, passionately, devotionally. And if I do not love him too, he will kill himself. Just like ordinary. He was lying, of course. But he always was such exciting to listen. Then he buy me champagne cocktail and borrow from me the money to pay for it. (laughs) Quite a boy. Que hombre. He was, how you say, he was the most. Yeah, 
How long was he in here that night? Quien sabe. One hour, perhaps. By himself? No. With his amigo. With Pete. Pete Steimer, huh? Yes. Have you seen Pete since then? No. I do not think nobody has seen him. What do you think's happened to him? Who knows? Maybe he's too sad for Eddie dying. So he is hide out someplace all by himself. Well, it's a theory. Did Eddie seem worried that night? No. Scared? No, not scared. Nothing special on his mind, apparently. No, just like always. <laughs> just like Eddie. You know. No, I never met him. Oh? Then, then why you ask this question? Oh, just a routine business matter. What about women? Women? Yeah, other girlfriends of Eddie's. Uh, next to you, of course. Oh, next to me. With Eddie, every girl was first. What about the nightclub here? Any of them come in here, work here? Oh, Eddie was too smart for that. In each one place, only one girl. That way, no trouble. Eddie was smart. Yeah, he was the most. <laughs> what about girls in other places around town? Do you know any of them? No, I do not know any, but... Uh... But you've heard rumors. Well, there is a place which is called the Brass Monkey. Ah, oh, yeah. They have girls there which, um, how you say it, they, they take off some clothes and go jump around with the music. Strippers? Yes, strippers. Well, somebody has always made jokes with me about one of those strippers. They say Eddie has had the big thing with her. <laughs> they think to make me mad, but there's no difference to me. I know how Eddie is. Do you know the girl's name? Ah, uh, a very silly name, which she has made up. It's Marty Midnight. Marty Midnight. She has black hair like me, but mine is natural black. Oh, yeah, sure, I figured as much. It's very beautiful. Muchas gracias, Johnny. Well, thanks for some pleasant conversation. You are leaving now? Yeah, why? But maybe you will come back. No? I wasn't planning to. At uh, one o'clock, I am through working. If you will come back... No? Mm, no. We wouldn't want to worry your poor old mother, would we? Keep her waiting up. What are you talking about? My mother is leaving Havana, Cuba. Expense account item seven, $23.40. More transportation and some more of those incidentals. This time at the Brass Monkey Inn. That name had come up twice now. Eddie Kalin's widow had mentioned it first. So I figured I'd better have a look at it. The Eloines had been a fairly quiet place, dimly lighted with a big play on that mystery of the jungle routine. But the Brass Monkey was a pony of a different tint. At the Brass Monkey, they let down their hair and really lived. The chorus line was on and at it when I arrived. And strangely enough, the girls were all dolls. Pert, young, lively. Seven of them from left to right. But not one of the seven had midnight black hair. I leaned against the service bar and waited for the bartender to come down out of the clouds and notice me. And he finally did. Oh, sorry, Buster. Just couldn't see you for looking at you. Oh, that's all right. Who'd bother with a customer at a time like this? Another odd lover. Man, man, I'll tell you true. There is the cream of the crop. Seven shining sisters. The Pleiades, brother. The absolute up-top zenith of the entire ecclesiastic firmament. Well, you'll have to drink. Scotch over ice. Checo. I read a lot. That's where I get all them big words. Always try to better myself. 
Get ahead, man. That's the thing. Yes, so I've heard. So I read all the time. And I got a system, too, a shortcut. You know all them books you see around? You know what they're full of? Well, opinions vary. Words. And you know where they get them? From the dictionary. So I don't mess around. I go right to headquarters. The only book I read is the dictionary. You what? Sure. Read it through twice. And now I'm clear up to J on the third time around. You know what a Joss house is? Yeah, that's a Chinese temple. I uh, think I need that drink now. Oh, I'm sorry, Buster. Here you are. Say, you're pretty smart yourself. Oh, I'm a pedant. Pedant? That's with a P. Nah, nah, I won't get to that for another three months. Uh, that's a buck even for the drink. Here you go. Keep the change. Well, thanks. I. Uh, hey, this is a 20 you give me. Yeah, I know. Oh, I see. Well, Buster, the answer is no. I can't fix you up with one of the girls. Uh-uh. All I want is some information. Like what? Like, where is Marty Midnight this evening? Oh, that I wouldn't know. She hasn't been around since, uh... Well, not for the last four or five nights. Since Eddie Kalem was murdered? Is that what you're about to say? Police? Insurance investigator. The company I represent issued a policy on him. Eddie Kalen with insurance? Yeah, he took it out about two months ago. Who's the beneficiary? His wife. Well, well, I never met the gal, but I guess she's got something common. She must have took quite a beating off of Eddie. Man, oh, man, that cat could really operate. So I gather. You happen to know where Marty lives? Nah, she moved a few weeks ago, after she took up with Eddie. I don't even know her real name. Hey, is the manager here? I'm the manager, Buster. I hired him, fired him, and in between, just look at him. <laughs> oh, man, what a life. <laughs> Do you know a friend of Eddie's named Pete Steimer? Sure I know. He hasn't been around either. Disappeared that same night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that was a bad night all around. There was another guy dropped out of sight, too. A, a hood named Mike Kelso. One of Topo Leanley's boys. Do you know Topo? He comes in all the time. He's a... Hey. Hey, wait a minute. You must be the cat that broke his arm. <laughs> well, congratulations, felicitations, and happy days. I'll have a drink myself on that. Ah, real popular boy. Oh, the most. I understand he got his start by leaning out of his baby carriage and shoving his mother under a car. Was he in here that night? Well, sure. That's where Eddie met him. I told Eddie to stay clear of that game. And was I right? And you think that's why he was killed for the $60,000 he won that night? Buster, that's the type of question I never answer. And that's exactly why I stay so healthy. Well, you don't have to answer. That's where all the logic points. Eddie met Tom Bolini in here that night and was invited into one of Lini's big-time poker games. Eddie was lucky, plenty lucky, and Lini got hit hard. He decided he wouldn't stand still for it, so he and his muscle man, Mike Kelso, went around to Eddie's apartment, beat him up, got the 60000 bucks, took Eddie out to the Palace Verdes Hills, ran him off the cliff, and set fire to his car. Any reason why it couldn't have happened like that? No, no. But there are a lot of loose ends. Like what has happened to Pete Steimer and Marty Midnight? Scared silly, hiding out. Mike Kelso. Same thing, he's sweating it out, waiting to see which way the wind blows. Or there's whispers around that he double-crossed Topo and ran out with the dough. Could be. But I keep remembering that door. What door? To Eddie's apartment. It was left locked with a key. So what's it got to do with every... Uh-oh. The police. I'm raided again. Hey, Red! Dump that water bar whiskey down the sink. Jackie! 
Get back there and tell the girls to cover up. Now, take it easy. You'll catch. Just keep your seats. Everything is copacetic. Relax, relax. It's not a raid. That's Sergeant Reynosa. He's handling the Kalen case. Buster, a cop's a cop no matter what he's handling. Now, shake it up, Fred. Turn on that water in the sink and dump it all in. What the devil are you doing here, Johnny? Having a drink? What's up, Sergeant? I'm looking for a girl who's supposed to work here named Marty Midnight. So am I. What's your reason? Suspicion of murder. What? The guy was killed in her apartment about an hour ago. The neighbors heard the shots. And it's real crazy, Johnny. It just can't be, but it is. We got a fast check on the fingerprints. You know who the guy was? Sure. It was Eddie Kalen. Johnny Dollar. Is this Mrs. Kalen? Lila? Yes, someone from the police department asked me to call Sergeant Reynosa at this number, but I didn't... Yeah, Reynosa was trying to reach you, but your phone didn't answer. Well, I was just letting it ring. I was trying to get some sleep. Then the officer came by. Where are you, Johnny? What's happened? We're at the apartment of a girl named Marty Midnight. Ever hear of her? No, why? Lila, you better brace yourself, honey. You've got another shock coming. Shock? What do you mean? Your husband didn't die in that burning auto. Eddie... Eddie's alive? No, no, not... Now, he was shot to death an hour and a half ago here in Marty's apartment. Who did it? I don't know yet. Hang on to yourself and I'll come by and see you as soon as I'm free here. Will you, Johnny, please? Promise. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Los Angeles, to the home office, Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Kalen matter. Expense account continued. The homicide squad was finishing up its work when Sergeant Reynosa and I got back out to the apartment of Marty Midnight, star stripper of the Brass Monkey Inn. Eddie Kalen's body had been photographed, checked, measured, fingerprinted, examined, sketched, written up, and reported on. Taken out finally under a white sheet. I held the door open for the morgue attendants to get out with their silent burden and stood watching them wheel the stretcher down the walk and load it into the waiting ambulance. A light mist had started to fall, and a damp, cold blanket of fog was seeping down from the dark hillsides of Griffith Park beyond the road. There was a feeling of finality in the air, of the end of things. And for the man who died twice, it was final. Yeah, there was no doubt about it this time. Eddie Kalen was dead. I am tired, Johnny. Just plain dead dog tired. Yeah, it's getting to be a long night. Sit down and start talking. Any, uh, particular subject, Sergeant? You know what subject. You weren't surprised when you heard Eddie Kalen had been alive all this time that it wasn't his body in the wrecked car out in Palos Verdes. How come, Johnny? Why weren't you surprised? Because I was expecting it. Why else? No, you gotta do more talking than that. Well, it started with a hunch. And the hunch started when you told me you found the door of Eddie Kalen's apartment locked. When you went there that night, he was supposed to have died. Yeah, I know. Locked with a key. You mentioned that, but... Well, that was the important part. If it had been a door with a night lock or a spring latch that snaps when you pull it shut, it wouldn't have been anything. It still doesn't, as far as I'm concerned. All right, look. There was evidence there'd been a fight in that apartment that night. We assumed that somebody had knocked Eddie unconscious or killed him there in the apartment, then taken his body out to his car, driven it out to the Palace Verdi's headland, and set fire to it. That's right. Then at the time that somebody left the apartment, the heat was on. Mm -hmm. They had a body on their hands. Maybe someone had heard the fight, called the police. They had to get out fast. Yeah, sure, but... Under those circumstances, can you imagine anybody taking the time to go through Eddie's pockets to find his door key and bothering to stop and lock the door behind them? That's illogical. Except for one person, Eddie himself. How do you figure? 
With him, it would be just a matter of habit, locking the door as usual when he left home. All right, Johnny, I see your point. Then how do you call the play that night? About the way we were tagging it, up to a point. Eddie won 60,000 bucks in that poker game with Topo Lee. He went home, either alone or with that friend of his, Pete Steimer. So? So Topo had no intention of taking that kind of a loss. So he sent his trigger man, Mike Kelso, to recover the money. The fight was between Eddie and Mike. Only Mike was the one who lost, not Eddie. Then you figure Eddie put Mike Kelso's body in his car and drove it out to Palace Burtis and set fire to it. Sure, with Pete Steimer's help, probably. Well, it's possible. The body was practically destroyed. All we had for identification was the wallet, watch, keychain, and so on. They could have been planted. I think they were. It was a sudden idea, spur of the moment. But Eddie was ripe for it. There he was with $60,000 in his pocket, but a dead man on his hands. And as far as his wife was concerned, I think the chance of shaking her and not sharing the money was just an added inducement. So he and Pete arranged for the body to be identified as his, and Eddie just disappeared. And holed up here in his girlfriend's apartment. Why not? He and Pete both. Apparently the three of them were planning to jump the country, judging by that forged birth certificate you found in there on the breakfast table. Only it didn't work out that way. Well, Eddie's dead. Really dead now. Pete and Marty have disappeared again, and the 60 grand is missing. Find them, and you find the money. Johnny, it sounds like the same old story. Big money, big temptation, and a falling out among friends. That's the most likely. Of course, there is one other possibility. What's that? Topo Leanley. Was he out? Yeah. How come? It's a rough combination, Johnny. Good lawyer on his side and a poor case on ours. He was sprung two hours before the neighbors reported the shooting here, the anonymous neighbor. Well, it could be, then. But I'm still betting it was Pete Steimer or Marty Midnight. I'm not betting anything anymore. The way things stand now, it's anybody's guess. His own gun, no prints on it. You pays your nickel and you takes your choice. Well, at least the field narrows down. Well, seems like we got a visitor. Probably one of the uniform boys on duty outside. Yes? The policeman outside say for me to come to you. I am Jeanette Dubois. Oh? Well, what can I do for you? Uh, I am the person who reports the shooting on the telephone. Come on in. Oh, merci, monsieur. How come you refuse to give your name when you phone the police? Uh, you are Captain? Sergeant Reynosa. This is Johnny Dollar, Mr. Dubois. Oh, he is also police? He's working with us on this. Now, why wouldn't you give your name when you reported the shooting? Oh, I, I am very sorry, monsieur. You see, I have not been in this country too long... And I am afraid that I will be implicated. So I do not give the name at first. But finally, I, I think it over, and I call my friend the consul. And he say I must come to you immediately. And he's right. So you heard the shooting, huh? Oui, monsieur. I, I was walking past in front. I, I live three places down from here. All of a sudden, there is bang, bang, bang. And I am scared to pieces. And I can imagine. Then the door of this place is slammed open very quick. And I jump in the shadow behind a bush. A girl starts to come out, and then she stops in the door. What did she look like, Miss Dubois? Well, it is too dark for telling good. But I have seen her before. I know from her hair. Very long. Black. Marty Midnight. Was that the one, the girl who lives here? Oui, monsieur. I did not know her name. All right, what happened then? She stands in the door for a second. She is wearing a, a how you say it, a white raincoat. She is holding something in her hand. This thing she wipes with the raincoat all over. Then she throws it back into the room. Was it a gun? I think so. Then she pulls the door shut and runs down the street. 
I am too scared to think what to do for a minute. Then I hurry home very fast, and I telephone to the police. You didn't see anybody else around the place or in the street out in front? No, Monsieur Dollar. I watch from my window until the police have come. Nobody else has come out or go in. I see. Well, Sergeant? She won't get far. Girl with her looks draws too much attention. We'll pick her up before morning. Uh, thank you for your information, Miss Dubois. In view of your cooperation now, I think we can forget about you not telling us all this sooner. Does that mean I can go now? Yes, just leave your name and address with the officer outside. Oh, merci, monsieur. Au revoir. That kind of surprises me. I could figure the two of them together ganging up on Eddie. But apparently it was just morning midnight. All on her own. Been done before, Johnny. They're not the weaker sex, no matter what the book says. I know. But the fact never fails to amaze me. It shouldn't. You must have been on some of the same kind of cases. I... The devil. Come on! The patrolman stationed at the back entrance of the apartment house told us what had happened. He'd surprised somebody, a man, he thought, lurking in the bushes beside the house. The prowler fired a shot and ran. He paid no attention to the order to halt. The patrolman had fired twice, missed. The fugitive had escaped into the dense underbrush of Griffith Park just across the street. Sergeant Reynosa spotted men quickly along the edge of the brush, set up a portable spotlight from the squad car, sent his other car up an access road to block off the ridgeline, radioed for reinforcements. Within five minutes, a 15-acre area of the slope was surrounded and blocked off. Well, what do you say, Johnny? Shall we go in after him? Yeah, looks like we'll have to. He seems to be the shy type. Call it. Who do you think? I'm putting my money on top only, Lee. Good bet. Let's go. Keep that crowd back out of the way. Couldn't be any darker in here. Oh, water. Hey, shoot your flash over there to the right. No, it's an old stock. All right, we've got you surrounded. You better come out with your hands up. If you try to resist, you'll only make it tougher on yourself. You hear something then? No. There's over to the left, I think. Let's take a look. Watch yourself, Johnny. He's thrown lead once already. Yeah. I... There. Back of that tree. Hold your flash steady. There. I see. Come out with your hands up. <laughs> it's your last chance. I'm warning you. Got no choice, Johnny. He's down. Come on, Sergeant. It wasn't Topolini. It was Eddie Kalin's friend, Pete Steimer. Expense account item nine, one dollar for a newspaper, two packs of cigarettes, and a cardboard carton of hot coffee purchased from an all-night diner across the street from the Queen of the Angels Hospital. I took them up to the police emergency ward, room 612, pulled a chair up in front of the window, and sat down to wait. Pete Steimer was still unconscious. Still hadn't been able to speak a word since he dropped to the ground with Sergeant Reynosa's bullet in his chest. So I waited. Outside, the cold mist was still coming down steadily. The night was pretty far gone. It was less than three hours before dawn. A nurse sat silently beside the bed. The only sound in the room was the hoarse, slow breathing of the wounded man. After a while, the nurse left the room for something, and Pete seemed to rouse slightly at the sound of the door. Where? Where? 
Take it easy, Pete. Don't try to talk. Eddie. Is... Is Eddie here? No, he's not here. He ought to be here. It's... It's always been like this. Relax now. It's, it's all right. Eddie always runs out and... and leaves somebody else to... to... Easy now, easy. Somebody else to... face the music. Pete. And those were his last words before he went to face the music. Johnny Dollar. Sergeant Reynosa, Johnny. Oh, I was just going to call you. Has he talked yet? Pete Steimer is dead. When? A few minutes ago. He almost regained consciousness for a few seconds, and that was all. There's no chance to question him. It's too bad. Yeah, he might have been able to clear it up for us. I think maybe it is cleared up, Johnny, or will be at least in the next hour. What do you mean? We picked up Marty Midnight. When? Where? A few minutes ago at the bus depot with a ticket for San Diego in her hand. I haven't talked to her yet. They're holding her downtown headquarters. Why don't you meet me there? Fine, right away. Looks like the wind-up, Johnny. I hope so. I really hope so. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Los Angeles, to the home office, Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Kalen matter. Expense account, final page. Item 12, $1.60. Taxi from Queen of the Angels Hospital to police headquarters and interrogation room 9. The police clerk showed me to the observation anteroom and left. I paused for a moment and looked in through the one-way mirror window. Sergeant Reynosa was already there, and the girl, Marty Midnight, sat facing him across a plain wooden table. He was glancing through the arrest file and apparently hadn't started to question her yet. She was younger than I'd expected, not over 22 or 23, and she was obviously scared. But her face was set and ruddy, sullen, defiant. I tapped on the door and the jail matron let me in. Oh, come on in, Johnny. Uh, take that chair, if you will. Thanks. When do I get to see a lawyer? You go under the name Marty Midnight? That's right. I said What's when... your real name? How long have you been in Los Angeles? Where'd you live before that? Uh, you see we got hold of here, Johnny? Yeah, I see. One of those wise ones, or so she thinks. If you're ever arrested, keep your mouth shut. Somebody told her that back along the line. She thinks it's good advice. I want a lawyer. Don't talk. They can't pin anything on you. She believes it. She'll probably still believe it right at the door of the gas chamber. I haven't done anything. You've got to let me see a lawyer. It's a law. You'll see one at the usual time. I know that law, too, Marty. And you're not being deprived of any of your legal rights. What's your real name? Well, then I guess we'll have to contact your folks and see if they have any influence. Contact my folks? Who are they? Go on, tell me. Well, let's see. Oh, yes, uh, Mr. and Mrs. John R. Jackline of San Diego at 426... How did you find out? And your name is or was Jean Luann Jackline. Don't let my folks know, please. I I'll talk, Sergeant. I'll answer anything you want to know. If you just won't use my real name, if you won't let my folks find out, please... 
Suddenly, she was just a frightened kid. Not a hard-boiled little chorus pony, a nightclub stripper. But only a scared girl who didn't want her folks to find out. She kept her head down, and she answered Reynosa's questions, her eyes lowered like a repentant school kid who had been caught playing hooky. Then I remembered. The charge here was murder. Did you know that Eddie Kalin was married when you started going around with him? Not at first. And later you found out, but you kept on going with him. Well, he said he was getting a divorce. He said he'd been trying to get free of his wife for six months, but she wouldn't let him. Did you believe that? Well, yes. I don't know. I, I didn't until he came here that night. He said we're going to run away to Mexico together. The night he killed Mike Kelso? Yes, but I told you I didn't know about that until two days later. And it was self-defense, honest. Mike was trying to hold him up to get back the money Eddie won in that poker game. It was self-defense. Then why did Eddie go into hiding? Well, I told you that, too. It was his chance to get away from Lila and... Where were you going when the police arrested you over there in the bus station? San Diego. To my folks. Nobody here ever knew me by any name except Marty Midnight. I, I didn't think you could trace me. And you didn't want to be traced. Well, of course not. I came back and saw the police car at my apartment, and then I knew you'd found Eddie. I didn't want to be mixed up in it. Why'd you kill him? Marty? K kill who? Eddie. It wasn't Eddie. It was Mike Kelso. Eddie's the one who killed him in a fight. I told you that. It was... Oh, but you know it wasn't, Eddie. You picked him up at my apartment, didn't you? Yeah, sure. We picked him up. In a basket. What? He's across the street from the morgue. Why'd you kill him, Marty? I didn't kill anybody. I didn't know Eddie was dead. I was coming home and I saw the police car. I thought you'd found him, that's all. I didn't know he was dead. I didn't kill him. You gotta believe me. I didn't know anything about it. Honest. Honest. Marty Midnight. Sharp, hard, tough, a striptease dancer who'd been around, knew all about it. Marty Midnight, a scared, sobbing little child. Honest. Cross my heart and hope to die. Well, maybe she would. I left a few minutes later, and Sergeant Reynoso walked out with me to get a breath of air. It was a cold, gloomy night with a gray dawn just ahead. Three people were dead. And in the great stone building we walked out of, the machinery was grinding away, getting ready to take the life of a fourth one. Well, I guess I'd better get back inside, Johnny. You all right, Sergeant? The lab boy's making a paraffin test. You know, it's too bad. She's just a kid. Yeah. I was hoping it'd be Topo Leanly. That I'd love. He's long overdue. Well, he's still on the loose. Ah. Uh... It's a kid up there. You know it, and I know it. And anything else is just wishful thinking. That witness saw her leave, saw her wipe off the gun, throw it back into the apartment. Yeah, I know. Well. Where'll you be, Jenny? The hotel? Oh, not for a while. I'm going to stop by Lila Kalins. At this time of night? Oh, she'll be waiting up. I promised her I'd see her and tell her what happened. She's, uh, taken quite a beating out of this mess. Why did they do it, Johnny? Why did dames fall for a guy like Eddie Kalins? Philosophy? At this time of morning? <laughs> I'll see you later. Expense account, item 13, $2.80. Taxi fare to the Argus Terrace Apartments to talk to the widow and beneficiary, Lila Kalin. Oh, Johnny, come on in. Thanks, Lila. I've been sitting in here in front of the fireplace all night long. I'd almost given you up. Well, a lot of things happened. 
really beat. Coffee or a drink? Coffee, I guess. Black. Is it... Is it all over now, Johnny? Well, it amounts to that. They've apparently got the killer. Who? That girl he was hiding out with, Marty Midnight. She's a striptease dancer. Why? Why did she do it? The money, I suppose. They haven't found it yet, but they will. Here's your coffee. Oh, thanks. I feel sorry for her. Maybe because I feel sorry for myself or anybody who ever got mixed up with Eddie. Why do we do it, Johnny? Why do we go blind when a guy like that comes along? I don't know. You tell me. I wish I knew. Maybe a girl I met yesterday evening had it tagged. She said she knew Eddie was always lying. But he made it sound so exciting. He did. I had four years of it. Never knowing when he'd walk out and not come back. Never knowing who he was with. Knowing only one thing for sure. That he was lying to me every hour of the day. Now that it's over, I wonder why I went through with it. But he did make it sound exciting. Well, the best thing you can do, Lila, as soon as it's cleared up. Who can that be? Oh, it might be Sergeant Reynosa. I told him I'd be here. Hello? Oh, yes, just a moment. You were right. Thanks. Yeah. Hold on to your hat, Johnny. It's wide open again. What do you mean? That paraffin test. Negative. What? Marty Midnight hasn't fired a gun in the last two days. She was telling the truth, witness or no witness. So it looks like Topo Leanley's a boy. Sergeant, one. wait. Huh? What was Marty wearing when they picked her up at the bus depot? Why, uh, well, the same thing she was when you saw her, skirt and sweater. Did she have a coat on? A short jacket. What are you getting at? Hmm. Hey, Johnny, you still there? Uh, sorry, I was thinking, and it figures. Sergeant... Can you come out here right away? To Lila's place? Why? It's important. Believe me. All right, Johnny, right away. What was it, Johnny? Lila with the coal black hair. It's beautiful. Well, thank you, Johnny. Pepita has black hair, too. And Marty Midnight. Eddie only liked dark-haired girls. But Marty didn't have a white raincoat. I'll bet you do, though. What? Where is it? Here in the closet? Johnny. Uh-huh. What's this all about? A witness saw a girl leave Marty's apartment right after the shots. But it was dark, and all the witness could make out was the black hair and the white raincoats. What do you mean? The witness saw the girl wipe off a gun on the front of her coat, then throw it back into the apartment and run. There are smudges on your raincoat, Lila. It's grease off the door of the car. Supposedly, you haven't been out of this place since I talked to you yesterday evening. But it hadn't started to rain then, and the coat's damp. Why did you kill him, Lila? You're out of your mind, Johnny. It's no use, honey. Reynos is on his way out here. They'll make a paraffin test and prove you fired a gun. They'll probably dig up the taxi driver who took you out there. They'll search the place here, find the money. Was that it? The money? Was that why you killed him? No. I didn't mean to. When I went out there... Yesterday evening while I was talking to you, I suddenly wondered if it might not have been somebody else's body in that car. I knew about Marty Midnight, of course. I knew about all of them. After you'd gone, I went out there. Waited until I saw Pete Steimer leave, finally Marty. And I forced my way in. 
So? Eddie was furious. We argued and fought. Eddie drew a gun on me. He threatened me. We struggled. So that's going to be a pitch, huh? Plea of self-defense. That's it, Johnny. Self-defense. Well, good luck. You'll need it. Expense account item 13, $263.35. Incidentals, etc. in Los Angeles and Plainfair back to Hartford. Expense account total, $596.85. End of expense account. End of report. Remarks? So the question still stands. Why do they do it? Why do girls go blind when the Eddie Kalins walk in? You might ask a strip teaser down in San Diego. But don't look for her under the name of Marty Midnight. She's Jean Luann Jackline now. A quiet kid. Lives at home with her folks. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Next week, the case of a beautiful girl who refuses to see the man she loves as he really is. A killer. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.